0: Welcome to Fenton Lives With, a podcast about Fenton and the people that they live with. In this episode of Fenton Lives With, I travel to Ireland to visit my aunt Nollie and her husband Charlie. They live in Dublin, and I was there for about a week, hanging out, taking some walks, and coffees all those nice things <clears throat> so just a little introduction uh we are here in renla in dublin and i'm here with my aunt Nalig, also my godmother i'll just uh let Nolig introduce herself
1: hi finton yeah well you're well used to being in our house here in renla and in fact i like the way you say renla because you know it's frequently called Ranelagh by um, people who have come to the area, but usually people who are from the area, like I am, uh, say Ranelagh. So that's just um, an Irishism for you. Mm. Yeah, well, Fintan's mom, my sister Olivia and myself, grew up not too far from here and we went to school in Ranelagh. So we're very much uh, Ranelagh based and Ranelagh hasn't changed too much in the many decades that we've been around Renla, It's still um, a village, an urban village, okay the traffic is going through it all the time but still it's very walkable which is what I like about living here. I never have to take out the car if I just want to go down to the village. Fintan and his brother Cormac have been here lots and lots of times over the years and often stayed with us while his parents went um, elsewhere or went abroad or went for a little break so I had Fintan and Cormac, um, playing cars here outside on the patio with, um, chalk drawn uh, roads, which my grandson now is very, very fond of. So, um, he's kind of reenacting all the Lego building and, um, car driving that the lads did from New York.
0: That's a good introduction. Is there anything else you wanted to share about, um, when we would come and visit, um, my mom my dad my brother and i to it'd be like i'd say about once a year either in the summer or christmas time i think i always remember really loving to play with the old playstation over here and then all the cars of course and the legos like you said
1: yeah that's true you came yeah probably about once a year sometimes christmas which is a lovely family occasion and it was always great to have the extra family like we have four children and charlie and myself so that's six of us but then nice to have the four of you that makes it a really special um, christmas gathering and um sometimes remember we would have games here in the room mm-hmm. um by the fire and um present sharing on a chris kindle kind of basis so we, we would do that and we would have um a full christmas dinner in the other room with uh uh, sometimes my mother, who's um, Finton's gran, or was Finton's gran, she passed away in 2012. So, um, yeah, so then in the summer, um, I think is a better time in a way for coming to Ireland because it's uh, the days are longer, the weather is better, and we tended to be out um, at the sea. And sometimes um, just here in Dublin, we're on the coast, so it's terrific. You can be out at the sea in about um, well I know you say ocean but anyway Mm -hmm. we can be at the sea in um, 20 minutes so I might bring Finton and Cormac out to Sandy Cove and bring the cars and bring the togs swimsuits and um, you know have a swim and then we'll be back home again it's all very uh, doable in Dublin we usually with uh, your parents and ourselves would rent a house somewhere around Ireland so we've been to lots of of places along the west coast we were in Donegal we were in Roscommon, Sligo, um, County Clare, Kerry and Kenmare and um, a couple of places in Kerry and then West Cork where we have a house and also East Cork on another occasion yeah I think you as kids my own kids and yourself and Cormac got you know they got to see a lot of Ireland really which is good since when a person is half Irish and half American I think it's good to get to know the country not just Dublin where we're based yeah so our kids would remember those holidays very well and very um, memorably because it'd be kind of the joint cooking of um, the meal in the evening and because we always took self catering houses we didn't go to hotels or guest houses we just took a house and um it was often in a lovely place i remember being in sligo uh, one year and it must have been at easter because the um it was lambing season, so there were little lambs in the in the garden, while in the field next to the house. Uh, so that was quite an experience for all the kids, all these city kids.
0: Yeah, that was that was one that I was that came to mind. We were talking about the houses, was specifically the the lamb being born, and I remember uh my dad filmed it and then we showed it in my class i don't know how old it was in third grade or something but just as like uh there was sort of a show and tell moment and uh i remember being very proud to say that i saw a lamb being born and Mm. um but yeah i definitely have fond memories of those times and uh maybe we'd be eating like the fresh lobsters or crabs i don't remember where exactly we were but um cooking those up in the house I do remember there was one time though that I um, was in one of those houses and I got locked in the bathroom overnight. And I have a very strong memory of just like not being able to get out of this bathroom. Cause I think either the key was on the other side or somehow I, I, I don't know exactly what it was but there wasn't like a turn. It was, you had to have the key to get out. And I just sat in there forever. I was like, I don't know if I should wake everyone up. And then I realized that there's no other way I was gonna get out. So I had started banging eventually my mom came out and (laughs) caught me out of there but uh yeah.
1: Yes, I, I remember that occasion, all right, I think you probably went into the bathroom during the night yeah. to use the bathroom and locked the door by mistake or whatever, and then realised you, you couldn't get out, but you told me the next morning that you had spent some of the time counting the tiles, <laughs> because, yeah, you're right, what what do you do? You're yeah. stuck in, you don't know whether to shout and bang and wake people up, will they be cross with you or whatever? Yeah. So you had counted, because I remember it was quite an old-fashioned bathroom, wasn't very attractive, but there were all these tiles and you had counted them crossways and lengthways and diagonally and that kind of thing so that kept you occupied which was actually a very sensible thing to do if you're locked in a small space and yeah. then eventually you did get out but yeah. Uh, yeah no I remember that incident but I also remember another incident when we were in Kenmare in County Kerry and we were house sharing with your family but also Paula my other sister and her family and our family we were sharing two houses actually but um you swallowed a coin you surprised us that a, <laughs> at such a, a young age you had picked up a coin and suddenly it was gone and it, it had been swallowed so, but anyway <laughs> no harm came to you from yeah. that but well, I do remember that yeah <laughs> yeah
0: that's funny um and then I was I was wondering if you'd like to share a bit about um, the house in Shirkin that I haven't been to in a little while but I know it's someplace that you have been going back to, and there's a bit of a artist community there. So I think it's fascinating and a place I'd like to visit again soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's um a small island off the southwest coast of Ireland, which is also an island. Um so it's uh well, we say it's about 3 miles by 2 miles that kind of size. It's quite small, but um it has a lovely landscape. It's sort of undulating and it's quite um verdant and, you know, trees and hedges and that kind of thing and flowers wild a lot of wild flowers so it's a very pretty place and we started going there um way back in the 80s when a friend of mine i was working with in dublin she married a farmer on shirkin island and we went down to visit and it turns out that her husband the farmer had some old houses that he owned um on the island and that he rented out in the summer so um we absolutely grabbed at that opportunity, so we rented a house, um, an old stone house that was fine for summer occupation. It would be a bit drafty and cold in the winter, but in the summer it was lovely. And it was just beside a little cove where we could swim and that. So our children came uh, when they were, when we had no children, then we had twins, and then we had another and another. So then we had four children, and we went every summer to shirken And over the years got to know really everyone on the island because there's only um, about 100 people living on the island. So then after many years, when we could afford it and when a house became available to buy, we actually bought a house in 2009. So we've been going there quite a lot in the last, whatever it is, 12 years. So um, it's a, a more modern house, but that's fine because it poses less problems than, than an old stone house would have. I mean it would be very romantic to have an old stone house but it, it would have a lot of um, construction problems and heating. So we're very happy with our house which is lovely garden and is quite sheltered from the wind. There's always a wind on the island and we're kind of in a dip which is Uh, very satisfactory because if there is a wind, we don't actually get the worst uh, brunt of it. During the last year, year and a half of the pandemic, we've actually spent a lot of time down there because, um, well, it just felt very safe to be away from cities and the virus. But also there was nothing going on in cities, so Mm -hmm. there was less attraction of staying here in Dublin so we were quite happy to go down to Sherkin where we know everyone and we had our house and we also had uh, through wi-fi we had contact with anything we needed to have contact with so like we'd have I might have a zoom meeting with my writers group I had zoom uh, choir practices and Charlie likewise um, had his orchestra kind of um, meetings on Zoom and practice sessions and all the rest. So we were quite connected, even though we were on an island, off an island. And uh, I suppose, Fintan, we should mention our project, our joint project. I'm very proud to say that we produced a children's book for under five-year-olds during this pandemic time. And it was... um, a cooperative uh, project between myself, um, Olivia, my sister, who's an illustrator. So I wrote the words, Olivia did the um, illustrations, and then we needed somebody to put this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got Fintan on um, artwork, layout and design. And we got my daughter, Afric, on marketing, sales and social media. So... Um, between the four of us, and we did have Zoom meetings during the time when I was in Shirkin, Livia was in Brooklyn, Fenton was in New Mexico, and Africa was in the Loire Valley in France. So we had these amazing um, uh, connections, and we were all doing our, our bit, and we would uh, email back and forth about the design, the layout, the American measurements, as distinct from the European measurements, which Fenton worked out and grappled with and then AFRIC found us a printer in France we got it printed there, we subsequently now get it printed in Ireland but um, it was a a wonderful project to be doing during the pandemic because otherwise you know, tended the days could tend to drag and um, if you weren't working towards something you felt you were just kind of uh, retreating from the world just to Mm -hmm. save yourself uh, picking up the virus so I sell my um, books in aid of a charity here, which is um, the children's hospice for children who have life limiting conditions. And uh, I worked all my life as a psychologist with children with disabilities, but the group I always felt really, really heartfelt sorry for were the parents who had children who had a disability, but that were not going to survive. So this is a hospice here in Dublin that um, gives the parents a break and um, cares for children in their well in their last years it's not always in their last days it's really quite a, um, an all-around service so um, I had done some work for them at one stage and I thought well yeah this is a charity I want to support with the sale of the book so the book is flying off the shelves mm. and uh, even though it's just on media social media and uh, you know, word of mouth and personal acquaintances, that kind of thing, and selling in a bookshop here in Renla. I have given more than a €1,000 to um, Laura Lynn, which is the name of the children's charity. And Fintan can say more about the charity that he is donating to in the United States. Yeah,
0: in the US, the book sales we're giving to the uh, Line 3 Legal Defence Fund, and that was um, Line 3 is a pipeline that unfortunately just got constructed but um, <clears throat> I spent a lot of time out there in Northern Minnesota over the past year. And um, the Legal Defense Fund is for mostly young people, some, some older people too, who have put, in themselves, put themselves on the line to stop construction uh, in front of active machinery. And it's to support their uh, legal funds. So getting a lawyer, uh, all the court fees, the bail and all that. Um, so that they can take their cases uh, against this um, pipeline company to court and hopefully have a chance to stop the oil from flowing any more than it is right now. So uh, that's a project that has meant a lot to me over the past year, and it's been great to see some of the money flowing towards uh, friends of mine who, who have gotten arrested uh, trying to stop the pipeline. So yeah, overall, I think it was a really fun experience getting to um, get back into layout something I hadn't done in a little while and just getting a refresher and then seeing the actual physical book come out and uh, sharing that with as many people as i I knew.
1: Anticipation builds. As I cross over the railway bridge, walk along by the villa style houses, glance at the cormorants like sentries on the rocks before I arrive at the Martello tower. Some of my friends are there already in various stages of undress. A quick disrobing, swimsuit on, then down the slip, across the granite slabs. Excitement is mixed with trepidation. I clutch the rail and descend the steps. Oh, the water is cold as it slaps my calves. Then slow, submersion into the Irish sea. Surface again, gasp, steady my breathing before beginning a smooth stroke. I do a lot of writing, so I have had poems published, uh, short stories, short stories that have won prizes, poems that have won prizes. So then I do work for the radio as well, for the national radio station, which is called RT Radio One. At the moment, I'm mostly now contributing to a Sunday morning programme that um, is about kind of um, memories and musings and uh, music that goes along with it, too. So um, at the moment, I've been kind of researching uh, my great uncle who went to South America in 1904 and spent best part of the next decade there and he wrote letters home to my grandfather in Ross Grey. so I've been um, reading those letters and transcribing them and putting together a little article for the radio so that may well be broadcast but um, yeah that's a, that's a huge interest and I love it and then the other thing is singing in a choir which you know many many people sing in choirs but that it's just it's a lovely pastime and uh, you need to put a lot of work into it to to get it right so on you know really over the pandemic years we haven't we've been on zoom but that's not not great really for the practice of singing so finally now we are back live together with each other singing on a monday night and we're aiming towards a christmas concert of some kind it's a wonderful thing to do it's like swimming or you know anything that kind of gets your head out of all the day to day stuff and you're just in another place for Mm -hmm. that hour or two hours or whatever you're um, at choir. So apart from that, I'm playing tennis twice a week, uh, going walking and meeting friends and Mm -hmm. all the usual and wishing I could meet my sisters more often. But one sister is stuck in Australia and uh, Livia is able to come, thankfully, come over from New York um, in September so I'd like if the pandemic was a little bit more out of sight but I think yeah. it's kind of hanging around for a bit so I mean luckily I'm able to see my um, my son who lives here in Dublin it's, ter- it's terrific that he is so close and his two children our grandchildren and then I'm able to see Um, my son from Madrid, my daughter in Berlin and my other daughter in the Loire Valley in France because they can come back easily enough from Europe. All of those are a blessing and uh, then I can see my nephew like Vinton dropping in for uh, a week. That's great and it is great when you feel you have that family around you even though they're not here within a couple of miles or anything they are more spread out but i still think we have a very good network of yeah all of that is good nice thank you yeah
0: yeah thanks for chatting with me this was fun and uh, i'll be making some uh, new york style pizzas later for knowledge and charlie to enjoy so looking forward to that
1: (laughs) yes thank you that's always a bonus of having a guest in the house a guest who cooks wonderful (laughs) wonderful yeah 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 yeah, no i'm looking forward to that thanks all right right, thanks for talking
0: with me Bye bye. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find more of Nolig's work at noligrowan.wordpress.com. The music you heard in this program was RPLKTR's song, The Sea. And the piece you heard read by Nolig is called Winter Sea Swimming, and it aired on December 6, 2020 on RT Radio 1.